Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Again podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about indoctrination and being raised in a Christian home and some ways that we found to recover from that. Um, but before we jump in, I just wanted to make a quick mention of our Patreon account, uh, which is under the name Born Again Again, and our Facebook group, which has been amazing lately. Uh, tons of awesome discussions on there and great people, as well as our Instagram account. Go check those out if you haven't already. So let's start out first with a definition of what indoctrination is. Okay, let's look it up. Webster's Dictionary defines indoctrination okay. as... <laughs> Google. Google says that indoctrination means the process of teaching a person or a group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. And I think, like, as far as we know, it's usually in with regards to religion. Or, like, cults and stuff, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Although I did, I was reading today about it, and I was talking about... uh in like Soviet Russia, I guess those like kids were brought up indoctrinated as well. And I mean, I guess we were too in different ways, like brought up thinking that America was the best country in the world and just like unwaveringly questioning that. Yeah, I feel like not questioning that. The thing that we found is that it it can mean just like you believe anything that your parents tell you because yeah. like you're as we'll find out as a child, your mind is so malleable and ideas can get sucked in and then they like stay and they form like, I don't know, firm thoughts right. until you're an adult. Yeah. So the first time we kind of heard about this, I think was probably from Reddit or just like our atheist reading. And, right. Like, like reading when we first started of, yeah. reading about leaving Christianity and stuff, people were talking about indoctrination all the time. They kept saying it on indoctrination. So it. <laughs> yes. Indoctrination, indoctrination. Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah. What does this mean? And you know, kind of like looking it up and hearing people's stories where we started to ask, you know, were we indoctrinated? Like, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Like, are, does that mean that we were indoctrinated? And, and that added a lot to just our journey of leaving our faith because once you start to think, you know, as a child, of course, I'm going to believe what my parents are telling me. You start to kind of think, well, I'm going to believe anything that these people who I super trust tell me. So like, how do I know which part of that was true and which part of that was false? So I think that really was another, I don't know, it, it gave us another reason to look into why we believe what we believed because we're like, we can't just take this on faith right. because we were obviously, in a sense, brainwashed. Yeah. And I feel like we've mentioned this before and we mentioned it on our interview for the Life After podcast, which if you haven't listened to it, oh, yeah, check uh, go that check out. that out. But that we had a moment when we were sitting with an elder and his wife of our church, and she mentioned that her daughter believed them to be brainwashed. And that was the first time I had ever considered, am I brainwashed? And I think that brainwashing and indoctrination can go a little bit hand in hand. Yeah. They have like really similar meanings. And I think not on the this same. episode, we'll probably use the two terms interchangeably because yeah. that's essentially what it is. I think another piece of like when we realized what indoctrination was and we started reading about it and learning more about it, um, it really helped me to understand why I had a, such a hard time separating my own beliefs and like my own thoughts and opinions about things versus like what I just grew up believing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like as I became a 25 year old Christian, it's almost impossible at that point to separate what did I choose to believe and what do I just believe because I was in an environment that caused me to believe that way, whether it mm -hmm. be from my parents or Sunday school teachers or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting reading today about the different ways that kids' brains work, or I guess the ways that little kids' brains operate and how differently it is from the way our brains operate now that we're grown up. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it has to do with, with like just who children can trust. Uh, and I was learning that like from the age of four, I guess, sometimes younger, sometimes older, but kids actually start to be able to determine for themselves who's trustworthy and who's not trustworthy, which is really interesting. Um, and it's like just the first critical thinking stuff that's beginning to form in their brains. Um, but in general, kids trust their parents more than anyone else. And I think that's obvious for a lot of us. Our parents are like generally trying to steer us right. Um, and on top of that, they, a lot of the things that our parents do tell us are accurate, you know, like your parents tell you, don't touch the stove, it's hot. 
and you go and touch the stove and it's hot and you burn yourself and you learn, oh, my parent was right. My, like mom was right. She's mm -hmm. trustworthy. Or like, be careful running on the ice. You'll slip and fall and you run out and you slip and fall on the ice and you're like, well, mom was right. So basically, you know, your whole childhood, hopefully you're building a trust of your parents' authority and like your parents' wisdom about the world, mm -hmm. right? Um, so by the time you're old enough to start learning about religion, you trust them completely. Yeah. Well, I think as a child, you are in some ways you're in survival mode. So you're like, you're well, like in a very primitive, yeah. primitive state of mind. And so you're just like, you're looking to someone to keep you safe. And so if this person keeps you safe, then you trust and do what they say. Yeah. And I think that that's something like we hadn't considered you know, coming out of this, like you said, it was hard to separate what you actually believed on your own and what you believed because you grew up with it. It's like, I don't know, just as we've been reading more about the brain and how it works, we've been realizing that like a lot of these thoughts have affected us for so long because yeah. they're deeply lodged in our subconscious mind. Yeah, that was the other part of it. Because like, obviously, our parents are going to try to teach us and guide us to what's right when we're little. But I think the thing that was so interesting to me is that those messages we received when we were like younger than eight years old had a, a lot more impact than the same message would have if I would have received it when I was 15 or when I was 20. Mm -hmm. the, like the, it goes straight into your subconscious mind almost. Yeah. And, and you were reading a bit about like why that is, right? Yeah. And la so last week we were talking about brainwaves a lot. And I read a part of that book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And um, I wanted to read a little bit more about brainwaves, but this time with regards to just growing up and how, what kind of brainwaves your, your brain is at, at different ages in your life. Mm -hmm. And so, and the brainwaves, just to recap, we're talking about like our thoughts, depending on what the thought is like, and depending on the state of the person, the emotions and the level of consciousness and all of that, your brain like operates at a different electrical frequency, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of what it is. Delta being, super deep sleep all the way up to like a really high, high energy state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so last week we talked about Delta, Theta, Alpha and Beta. And so in, in that order, that's kind of like, that's the order we talked about it last week. Um, and, and that's kind of the order that your brain goes. Like, as you grow up, you like kind of progress into that Beta state where Beta can be like high anxiety. So on you the start out at the Delta. lowest at Delta. Okay. So at Delta, it says between birth and two years old, the human brain functions primarily in the lowest brain wave levels. This range of electromagnetic activity is known as Delta waves. Adults in deep sleep are in Delta. This explains why a newborn usually can't remain awake for more than a few minutes at a time. And why even with their eyes open, young babies can be asleep. That's creepy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> when one-year-olds are awake, they're still primarily in Delta because they function principally from their subconscious. Information from the outside world enters their brains with little editing, critical thinking, or judgment taking place. The thinking brain, the neocortex, or conscious mind, is operating at very low levels at this point. So I thought it was interesting when we were reading this part that it says that information enters the brain with little editing or critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And going along with what we were reading about indoctrination, it's like getting someone to accept a belief with like uncritically. Without, yeah, yeah. Without any kind of questioning. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I think that that's the time, like, you know, that when you like are getting a ch someone as a child and you're giving them information, like that's the best time for them to be learning. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of people, they know that, but I don't think that they understand like how deeply that's true. Right. Like the things that you communicate to them are like lifelong messages that are getting embedded in their deep in their subconscious. Mm -hmm. It's not like just a surface level message. Okay. So next let's look from ages two to five. Um, so a child in this age range begins to demonstrate slightly higher EEG patterns. These theta wave frequencies measure four to eight cycles per second. Children functioning in theta tend to be trance-like and primarily connected to their internal world. Oh, yeah. So that's kids are like amazing at imagination mm -hmm. and like visualizing things in the real life. I remember reading something else. Oh, yeah. Saying no, that like for. Yeah, exactly. Like they're saying this is saying that right now it says they live in the abstract and in the realm of imagination and exhibit few of the nuances of critical rational thinking. Thus, young children are likely to accept what you tell them. P.S. Santa is real. 
or in our case, <laughs> yes, God, God is, is real. real. Yeah. The devil is real. Mm-hmm. At this stage, phrases such as the following have huge impact. Big boys don't cry. Girls should be seen and not heard. Your sister is smarter than you. If you get cold, you'll catch cold. These types of statements go straight to the subconscious mind because these slow brainwave states are the realm of the subconscious. Dang, that's so interesting. I was just reading another thing today about hypnosis and like hypnotherapy. And when a hypnotherapist puts you in like a trance, the whole purpose of that is so that they can give you messages that go hopefully straight to your subconscious. So mm. if you're trying to unlearn like with, how to be... Without filter, filtering, right, and you're no not filtering. like judging them or, or being critical of what they, exactly. their thoughts are. Yeah, yeah, you're almost like half asleep. You're in like a trance state. Mm-hmm. Those trance states, I guess, that is like between theta and delta in an adult who's in a hypnotherapy session. And so that is the perfect like prime state for messages to be imprinted straight into the subconscious mind. Okay, wow. Which is really interesting because you're saying from two to five. And I think I was reading something where it was like up to eight years old, kids operate in theta as well. Mm -hmm. But like that whole time from when they're born until the time they're eight, you can think of them in like sort of a therapeutic hypnotic trance in one sense. They're sponges. They're sponges, yeah. So the messages that they receive at those ages, the messages we received when we were that age, go straight into our subconscious and they kind of form the way that we see the world. Yeah, we're just like not developed enough to have any kind of critical thought or any kind of filter for ourselves because we don't know what's going on. We're fresh little babies. Yeah, we're kids. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. And so I think I'm just going to read about one more brain frequency and that's alpha. And it says between ages five and eight brain waves change again to an alpha frequency The analytical mind begins to form at this point in childhood development. Children start to interpret and draw conclusions about the laws of external life. At the same time, the inner world of imagination tends to be as real as the outer world of reality. Children in this age group typically have a foot in both worlds. That's why they pretend so well. For instance, you may ask a child to pretend that he is a dolphin in the sea, a snowflake in the wind, or a superhero coming to the rescue, and hours later, he is still in character. Ask an adult to do the same, and, well, you already know the answer. <laughs> okay, that, I I feel like we are going to be primarily talking about the delta and the theta stages um, as a really young child. I think it's interesting that we just read in Alpha that children have both like have a foot in both worlds. Yeah. And I feel like I hear this, like really, it's really common to hear kids about the age, like that it's said about um, alpha, that they're starting to question mm-hmm. like their religious. Upbringing. Yeah. Even like seeing our little nieces have questions about the world and stuff. You can tell they're like coming online. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think like that's, that's super interesting. This science stuff is cool and super interesting to me, but I think what's most interesting is how directly it correlates with how we felt like our upbringing was mm-hmm. in a way, you know? And so I don't know when, when is your earliest memory of like anything Christian? Do you know? Um, I have memories of being at church as a young child. I have a memory oh, I just, like, forgot of about like, that part of it. Yeah. Being in like vacation Bible school. I have a memory of like a woman talking to a bunch of us kids and saying that she loved, Jesus so much. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know what I do? I take my Bible and I hug it. Whoa. Dang, you remember that? that? Yeah. And I was like, that's a really good tangible way to know that God is near. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I'm, I'll probably never forget that. Right. You know? Oh yeah. If you remember it now, that's I have, crazy. <laughs> I have a memory of thinking that the devil is real looking yeah. at watching myself in the mirror and saying, I hate Jesus so that the devil would come into my body and then hitting my chest. Oh my God. Did I ever, yeah, I think I already shared here. that story. Yeah. <laughs> really like I, bizarre. but that like, to me that I was young, I don't know. Well, you're so, let's like think you're seven. in that alpha state where like reality is just as real to you as, or I mean, imagination, sorry, is just as real to you as like actual reality. Yeah. And so that makes sense to an eight year old. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, all this stuff, learning about the way our brains develop from the time we're birth born until the time we're considered an adult is really interesting. And I feel like it highlights perfectly uh, this indoctrination process. Another thing I was learning about is that the way that kids develop their own sense of self is largely through how they perceive their parents to see them. So it's like um, 
kids don't understand like who they are, or what their identity is or anything like that. If they're good, if they're bad, they don't have like the rational and critical thinking skills to make those judgments for themselves. And so since their parents in general are the most trustworthy figures in their lives, they look to their parents to determine their own identity. So it's like Dang. the way that their parents, the way the parents see the kids is a way that the kid learns to see themselves. So if your parents see you as broken and sinful, then you're going to see yourself that yeah. way. Yeah, Anything that parents think about their kids at those ages directly influences the way the kids view themselves at that time. But also since they're in these like lower brain waves, those messages go deep and they affect them for a lot longer than just their childhood. Mm -hmm. And so that's why kids who, who their parents told them like, you're so shy, you're shy all the time that shyness will like now carry on through the rest of their life because it's not like just an opinion of someone. No, it's like that is getting programmed deep into them. Mm. Yeah. And so like, I feel like this is, it extends so far beyond religion, but that religion has a lot of like really damning effects on a child, but like any kind of thing that you say to a child and define them as like, it's scary. It, they hold that they their hold entire it. life, yeah. unless you're like teaching them to somehow process and like weed out things. But like a child's not looking for that. Right. They're, they're just like absorbing everything that they're well, hearing. They like literally don't have the mental capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, so everything just goes straight in and is accepted as truth and forms a way that a child views the world and views himself and views everything. So, yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, I think most parents would probably understand that responsibility. And I, th I feel like it's kind of common sense. Like, yeah, your kids learn everything from you. But reading about the science behind it makes it even seem even more like even more weighty. Dire. More, yeah, like. <laughs> Dang, we're, those kids are such little sponges. Like, you've got to be so careful about what you say to them and how you act to them and what you teach them. Mm -hmm. Because that stuff is not easily unlearned. And mm -hmm. it can have, like, a 70-year effect on this child's life. It's crazy. Okay, so along that same lines, I wanted to bring up something that I found uh, when I was looking through the book Leaving the Fold again. I found um, a lot. She has a lot in there about, like, your you growing up as a child in fundamentalism and just like kind of how that affects you and stuff. So she says, convincing a child he or she is bad does untold harm to basic self-esteem. And so that's basically what we were just talking about. Yeah. The promises of fundamentalism and many other faiths appeal directly to the primitive security fears of a child. If you became religious as a child, you might remember the comfort of an all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God taking care of you. He was your heavenly father and Santa Claus, both giving you all things and loving you forever. On the other hand, the image of hellfire may have filled your child's mind with terror. In a child's way of thinking, it makes sense for the world to be black and white, for there to be a war between good and evil, and for behavior to deserve reward or punishment. If you receive this kind of training early on, your resulting assumptions about reality may continue to affect you. Very small children are especially vulnerable to this and can incur long-term damage to their feeling and thought patterns. Because these early experiences are so embedded in their subconscious, you may have troubling thoughts or nightmares even now that you are out. Your inner child may still be scared. Mm -hmm. So Dang, it's basically yeah. just what we were talking about. I think that once we realized how deeply embedded a lot of these things were we started realizing thought patterns that we have that we maybe thought were like just true in our life mm -hmm. like just as we thought that god is real that that hell is real that the devil is real that there's a battle between good and evil there's spirits you know in the air just around yeah. us that are like fighting for our souls yeah just as we kind of accepted that as real we also accepted a lot of other things about our self-esteem and ourself you know right that we're like unworthy without jesus we you know we're sinful we're we're broke we're yeah. born broken and or maybe like we're i think like i learned a lot that i'm like i'm an outcast as a christian person i like am not like the world mm -hmm. so i'm not like like cool i don't fit in i'm not part of the group i'm set apart yeah. and i did feel like an outsider a lot of my life yeah you so know what I. I mean yeah and that really affected my self-esteem I, I felt like i couldn't be friends with just anyone right you know or i like i wouldn't allow myself to be in a sense yeah well and i mean even more than that think about how a child learns like if you're disobedient like you should feel ashamed of yourself mm -hmm. and you know if you do something wrong you deserve to be punished and that kind of stuff 
Yeah, I, it's a, it's like all of the stuff, all of the negative thought patterns that come as a re- result of following Christianity. For me, at least, it seems like most of that stuff was embedded like right away. And you when know, you learn them now, young. you're like, wait, I didn't have to believe that. Some of the things right. like yeah, I read in Leaving the Fold that you know you your child should think that when they make a mistake, you know. It's not because you're broken. It's just a natural part of being a human. And I was like, you can teach a child that? (laughs) Right. Like, that's an option? I didn't know. Oh, my gosh. Like, like, you know, you almost get to a point where you're like, I want to have children so that I can right all my wrongs. I feel like parents parents are probably think that way a lot. And I feel like that's a terrible reason to have a child. Yeah. But um, you kind of want to, like, care for your child. And you know what? You can. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit yeah. more at the end of this podcast. I wonder if parents are listening to the podcast right now and they're like, you guys, this is like so obvious. We know all this stuff. <laughs> Probably. We don't know this stuff. We don't have kids. We just think it's interesting. We think it's super interesting. <laughs> yeah. When we were researching for this episode today, uh, I came across a verse that I think we've mentioned before on the podcast, but it fits so well into uh, what we were talking about today. And it's from Proverbs 22, 6. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. And that's like true. Now, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that verse, that's right. Like (laughs) medically, like scientifically, that's probably true. I can't help but feel that they were talking about just the fact that you can brainwash your child. Yeah. And that if you get them young, they won't, they won't like leave the faith as an older, as an adult. Yeah. And I remember when we were leaving, I thought about this verse a lot because I kind of felt like, wow, where did, where did this go wrong for me? Like, mm-hmm. did my parents not train me up in the right way or something? Or why did this verse yeah. not apply to like, me? Like, how did we, how did we get out? You yeah. Know, yeah. We talk about that often. I don't really know what the answer is, like what aspects of our personality allowed us to question and get out. And we talk about that with you guys too, as we message on our Facebook group and Instagram and stuff. Um, yeah. It's really interesting because I think, you know, another another piece of what doing research into this area has made me realize is that I need to not be hard on myself when I feel like my recovery from this stuff is difficult or taking a long time. Or if I feel like, oh, I'm so behind in the world. It's, of course, I'm behind, you know, like we were absolutely indoctrinated into this way of thinking and into these beliefs. And we were given a ton of messages as we were really young about the way the world worked and about who we were. And so like, of course, we're having a hard time undoing that stuff now. Because not only were we believing it for 20 years, we were given it originally when we were six years old. And you know, that stuff is like deeply rooted in our minds. It's not just like an opinion about something. It's like, no, this is the way my brain works is shaped by these messages I received when I was so young. So yeah, if you guys find yourself feeling frustrated with how long your recovery is taking, or if you feel like, man, this is so difficult. I don't, I am so upset with how hard this is. Give yourself some slack because you were probably given these messages when you're really vulnerable and it's going to be hard to get them out. So do you, another thing I was thinking about is that of course, parents want to teach their kids what they believe. And, and I think this kind of goes into something else we were talking about earlier today. And that's that I can't really hold it against my parents for indoctrinating me. Um, because of course, like they raised me as a Christian out of love. Like to them, they were saving me from hell. They're, they're like saving their precious child from hell and condemnation and all that stuff. And so everything they did, everything they taught me was done out of love because they cared about me. Mm-hmm. The fact that they taught me about Jesus when I was super tiny, like as young as I could understand it, is just a sign that they really cared about me and they really wanted the best for me. And on top of that, they were also indoctrinated when they were a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's not something I feel like I can hold against my family in any way. How do you feel? Yeah, I know. I, it's so funny. We were talking about this this morning and I agree that you can't really hold your family accountable for that because of course they were indoctrinated and they're doing their best, but like, it's like right now I just like a thought popped into my head that I wish they would know like that that you need to give your children other options, mm-hmm. you know, like that you can't, that you can't say that, Hey, this is the answer. 
Yeah. And I know that. Right. And it's like really, that's really crappy of me because of course, like you're going to indoctrinate your child with something or like teach them something that you don't mean to. Well, but I feel them. like, I think that it's fine to teach your kids at a young age and even fine to maybe teach them about religion at a young age. But to me, it feels like it's immoral or even like abuse to teach a child that your religious beliefs have the same validity and the same level of certainty as like the fact that electricity travels through metal better than plastic or uh, any other scientific fact, you Mm -hmm. know, because I mean, for me, I was taught like, yeah, the, the way that gravity works, that's a fact. We understand that. I was also taught Jesus is a son of God and he's the only way to get into heaven. That's also a fact. You know, that's how it was presented to me. Mm -hmm. Both of those things equally factual um, with like no distinction between one over Mm -hmm. the other in terms of like eternal weightiness, you know? Um, And I feel like that's wrong. So are you saying you blame your parents now? No, I don't (laughs) blame them because they, how could they have thought any differently? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I, I know that, you can't, I can't hold it against them because a Christian, in order to be a Christian, I think you kind of have to believe that Jesus is the son of God with the same certainty that you believe gravity exists. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, that's like a mark of the faith, I guess. But I, yeah, I feel like I wish they could, could have explained it in a way like, well, yeah, right now, this is what I believe. This is the religion I've chosen to believe. And we it's based on faith it's not based on fact like how science is we can't really test it but i have a faith that this is how things work and when you're older you can you'll be able to look at the different religions and choose for yourself what you want to believe but for right now this is what i believe that's like a seems like a much healthier message that would allow your child to eventually think for themselves about it as opposed to just like hey you're six years old jesus is the son of god if you don't put your faith in him, then you're going to go to a bad place. And this scary guy called the devil is going to get you, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that sucks. I think the opposite, that opposite way, the first way you just said is very healthy. And I think, obviously I think a lot of parents are like that with their religion. And I yeah. think that just for us growing up in fundamentalism or just like whatever strict Lutheranism, that was not the case. Right. And I think like not the case for a lot of people listening. And I think that the thing is I want to be able to forgive my parents because they were also indoctrinated and they believed that they were doing the best. But like to know that that wasn't right for me as a child, mm-hmm. like that that wasn't a healthy place for me yeah. to develop my mindset. And it's hard because I think like a big part of you leaving the faith and you processing everything that happened to you is going through anger. And I feel like that's completely normal. I think it's even a stage and like, I think it's like laid out as a stage of religious recovery that you're going to be angry. And I think that for me, I come back to this feeling angry that I was brought up the way I was brought up. And that didn't even, that is not all like because of religion encompassing religion there are other things that affected me that like my parents just my parents and how they raised me that Mm -hmm. i felt were deeply embedded into my brain and gave me the self-esteem i have today yeah you know and i feel a lot of anger towards it but i think that for me i need to like just obviously i'm at a point where i need to like release that and like forgive my parents it's not their fault and they were no way trying to be malicious to me right and i feel like that's a good thing to remember if you do have a lot of anger towards your parents, uh, they're not trying to be malicious to you and you're well, an adult not necessarily. now. Yeah. I guess not they might be, but yeah, you're, but you're an adult now. And what's really cool is you actually have like an inner wisdom and you can help yourself. You yeah. can help yourself grow out of it. Yeah. Um, but first I really wanted you to read that section from, yeah, there's the freedom a, some this what we're talking about kind of goes along perfectly with this book called Freedom by Osho. Um, it has a tiny paragraph about raising kids and it says our whole way of bringing up children is to make them slaves, slaves of political ideologies, social ideologies, religious ideologies. We don't give them a chance to think on their own, to search on their own. We force their minds into a certain mold. We stuff their minds with things, things that even we are not experienced in. Parents teach their children that there is a God, and they know nothing of God. They tell their children that there is heaven and there is hell, and they know nothing of heaven and hell. You are just teaching your children things you don't know yourself. You are conditioning their minds because your minds were conditioned by your parents. This is the way the disease goes on from one generation to another generation. I remember reading that the first time, and we were like, oh my god, yeah. 
exactly, that's exactly the cycle that's happening here. And I feel fortunate now that we like have kind of come out of this and woken up from this in a sense that I can look back on my childhood and kind of understand, oh, that's where a lot of these beliefs came from. So it's, it's super frustrating having all this stuff to work through now when I'm 28 and I resent the fact that I feel like I'm getting a late start to life in some ways and trying to grow out of like childhood thought patterns. But on the other hand, it feels so good to kind of understand where some of this stuff is coming from, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it definitely does. I think that it sucks to be in a place where you just kind of feel like crap, but you don't know why. Yeah, that's the worst. That's, that was when we were leaving Christianity. That was yeah. the worst part was like the first two years when we didn't talk about it a lot. And we just felt like garbage, mm-hmm. didn't understand the world, like didn't know what to think and also didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You're right. I think at this stage, it's anger aside and whatever. I think we watched something last night. There's like a dog fight outside right now. (laughs) We watched something last night that says like everybody has like a story. Everybody has a past. Everybody has something that they're not like entirely happy about. But Mm -hmm. like, so what? So what are you going to do about it now? (laughs) And that really like, should I say convicts me? Like, I mean, it really like... Everybody has something like every, and people have way worse than us. And everyone's parents mess them up somehow. Everyone's you know, parents, like, regardless mess them of religion or not, your parents aren't going to do the perfect job and of raising you. And so, if like, we have kids, we're going to probably mess our kids yeah, up in some ways. Of course. But I think like the best thing that you can do for your child is is to not tell them that like they need some outside source for guidance and they shouldn't trust their inner wisdom yeah. because I think that everybody needs to learn how to grow up and help themselves yeah right what do you think are some of the childhood messages that you received that you've had to like try to unlearn now um i think that i received messages of me being shy of me being scared um of me being just not i don't know how to describe it because it's not that i'm not cool but it's like I'm not good enough or I'm yeah. not worthy of being with the kids who are maybe like thriving in yeah. life because yeah. I'm separate from them because I I have a different cross to bear like liter- like Jesus like you know literally. I'm like I'm set apart but with mm-hmm. that comes like in a way suffering and being like different from other people you yeah. know like I felt that I got that super heavily that I was like I don't know that that I'm not cool enough good yeah. enough like able to be friends with other people i'm not i'm not like confident enough you know like so i don't know i felt that that was deeply ingrained yeah in me. and so that That's was like probably right now partially religion but also partially just maybe your parents yeah. personalities that were like a mirror to you when you were mm-hmm. little yeah i feel like one for me was um obedience is like <laughs> was my highest calling yeah you know my parents i got raised based on this like kid raising program called growing kids god's way i don't know if any of you have heard of that if I you have like you should message us like, it sounds so insane that's just like literal indoctrination <laughs> growing kids god's way yeah right um but for me like when i was obedient i was a really good boy and when i was disobedient that was like so shameful i i f- remember feeling like if i would do something wrong i felt so so much worse that i disappointed my parents then I felt bad about getting spanked or whatever the punishment Mm -hmm. was, you know? So that was something I think that could potentially have morphed into me, like having way too much respect for authority and like wanting to follow the rules all the time Mm -hmm. and like kind of always looking elsewhere for approval, looking elsewhere for um, like teaching and wisdom and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that stuff, that stuff goes deep. Yeah. If I was ever like emotional as a child, I was like, made fun of a lot yeah, by my siblings. And I was like, my parents were really disappointed in Mm -hmm. me. And like, they called me Katie Kaboom. And like, (sighs) that's like a joke. And it was a joke to them. But like, I I feel like I got super like affected by it. You remember that stuff, you know? Like they, I felt that I couldn't have emotions. Yeah. And I felt when I have emotions, I'm a bad person. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm a drag. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to, you know, it's... You know, it's not good for everyone else. Right. You know, all that kind of thing. Oh, Um, I can relate to that too. Yeah. That message, like if you, if you 
don't have a smile on your face, then like you need to change your attitude. I mean, that's like a really that. Christian thing as well. You right. know, like, is Jesus really working in your life if you're depressed? Yeah. All right. of that kind of <laughs> right. stuff, which is just terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like through all this process, we kind of came across something about inner child work. Yeah. And how you have an inner child and you also have an adult. And like, I think it's, met- this is a metaphor, but it t- in but a way to just, dis- so- yeah, it helps. It describes like how you have a core part of you that is very childlike yeah. and you have another part of you that is more discerning and adult-like. And I mean, if you think about it, you have moments where you kind of drift into, in a way, like an emotional state that feels like it brings you back to yeah. a, a childlike place, like something that you remember from your childhood. And you have an adult rational mind that can look at your emotions and thoughts and think, now, why am I having that? And should I be having this, <laughs> yeah. this strongly right now? And like, is this helpful? Or what can I do to soothe you? Yeah. And I think like once we started noticing those two parts of our brain and our body and like how they're kind of like reacting to each other, it was really useful to kind of combat some of the emotions we were struggling with. Yeah. You know? Well, and really validating too, because I, I know a lot of you listening have told us that you've come out of Christianity feeling like a little kid in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, yeah. And we, we totally experienced that did. Yes. so much. Mm-hmm. Like, felt like a little kid lost in the world and like kind of having to figure everything out on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the first time we read about this inner child work or the whole the concept of an inner child period, we were like, oh, this makes so much sense. Like, mm-hmm. I feel really validated all these feelings I've been having now are making a lot more sense and it's going to be okay, mm-hmm. basically. So yeah, this whole, the idea of inner child work, um, I guess I would explain it like you're kind of attending to those subconscious parts of yourself that you feel like still have like the mindset of a child. Mm-hmm. And the book Leaving the Fold talks about it yeah, a lot. Yeah, it has a little bit. And um, it's not, I don't think it's even just for religious recovery. I no, think it's, it's like a for, secular therapeutic technique. It's what started right? for childhood trauma, just oh, plain and great. simple. Yes. Yeah, but I Which think like... this a, is officially childhood trauma. I it, just want to go on the record and say, if you b- believed in hell when you're under 10 years old and thought that you'd go there if you didn't follow Jesus, then that's traumatic. That's trauma. Yeah. You're allowed to call it that. And yeah. <laughs> you're allowed to feel that. And it's okay. It's okay that you have that to work through. Um but yeah. yeah, but this isn't like, it's not just a part of like this one book. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about it. Joe's just signed up to with a coach and he's going to work on his inner child with that guy. Yeah. It's like a really common technique. Um, I guess we'd never heard about it before a few years ago. But, um, if you've ever tried, I don't know if you read that book, Leaving the Fold, but she has exercises to do in it. And it's basically you, you put yourself into, a different a different state of mind it's like a visualization or a meditation meditation, just like anything else get yourself in theta or alpha (laughs) yeah and um kind of you kind of can visualize yourself as a child you can hug yourself as a child you can play with yourself as a child it's like it's sort of like a practice in in like letting yourself go to your younger self, which sounds kind of crazy, but it mm-hmm. can actually be really powerful if you've never done that before. The first time I envisioned myself as a child when I was, I was just sitting, I was relaxing and then I envisioned myself as a child. I just started crying. I didn't even do anything. I just you like did? saw myself as a child and started crying. So what it like practically, what did you do that so, first time? Um, the first time we, I think we like put on like some spa music. We just found. Oh, on yeah. Apple Music, uh-huh. just some calming music you would play in a spa. You like get it as quiet as you can. And I just like, I either laid down on the floor or sat on the couch and closed my eyes. Mm-hmm. And I like took a bunch of deep breaths yeah. to relax. And then I to just started, state. I envisioned myself walking in a field outside and I came up to myself playing you by saw, a tree. So you were walking in the field, you're walking as your adult. And as you my saw, adult like, self. Your child self. Yeah. Sitting there. Yeah. It's super emotional. I think when it's emotional for you, I don't know what that means. Like it, it could mean that you maybe have forgotten yourself as yeah. a child or you have, I don't know what it is. I'm sure like, I'm not a psychiatrist, but it's super <laughs> powerful for me. Um, I, but like, I think that if you have things from your past that you remember as traumatic, like I think that unless you, unless it's like super traumatic and you don't want to revisit them, but it could be good to go back and just hold yourself. Yeah. I think that's one of the common things you just sit and you like hold yourself on your lap. Yeah. Like, a ba- just like, imagine it. like 
they're really there. Like she's really there with you. Mm -hmm. I had, I wanted to share, I had a really powerful like time with this and I, it sort of morphed into this and I came up with this kind of situation on my own, but I was thinking about like two separate times in my past life when I didn't feel like I was talking about before, I didn't feel like cool or I felt like a little bit like shunned, you know, like that stereotypical, like the movies in the nineties, like that unpopular girl, like we're in the cafeteria looking for a place to sit and and nobody says hi to you. Everyone's like, don't come sit by me. Well, I feel like that kind of attitude, uh, really affect, like drowned me throughout my whole adolescent life. I felt that way Mm -hmm. as a person and it's like affecting me now. So I thought like, what if I, this was a, I had done inner child work a couple times. I thought, what if I go and get into this meditative state and I laid on the floor at night and the lights were really low and I had nice calming music on and I envisioned myself as an adult, like I slip, like I basically put myself into the situation where those two situations where I was as like, I don't know how old I was, like a 12 year old, an eight year old, I I went into that situation with myself. Like if you read Harry Potter, like I went into the pensive and I went Mm -hmm. back into the memory of my past, but I, it's exactly like that. Yes. Except (laughs) that no one could see me except my child self. So this is getting like really weird, but I went back into those memories and I sat with my child self and I like reassured her. And I was like, it doesn't matter like about none of this matters. Like, you're this is just like kind of how you're perceiving this as a child Mm -hmm. like you don't need to be cool right now and and like all you like all you need is me i'm here i'm gonna be like your best friend i love you so much let's go do this together and i took myself and i like i'm basically like had like a day where i like painted her nails and i dressed her up and i made her feel special and i told her that like she's like basically cool in my eyes you know and And, like, I made her feel confident just because, like, I was like, I'm your future self. Like, you can trust me. Like, And it feels different than someone else telling you. Like, when someone else kind of tells you a compliment, you don't really believe them. Sometimes that's how I feel. Especially for you, yeah. Yeah. And But, like, it was really powerful coming from my my older self, my adult self. And I went back into another memory and I, like, kind of walked with myself so that I wouldn't be nervous and made her feel better and Mm -hmm. kind of made her think like I talked to her about my mom and what my mom had said about things and like yeah like mom she doesn't really she doesn't really know what you need but Mm -hmm. I know what you need and this is what you need and 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 it was really so powerful yeah I was thinking about it the other day those memories I have are no longer like sad when I think back on them like they're not kind of like I changed my past yeah I like changed my past memories by inserting my adult like perceiving self back into them that's so cool yeah and now when I because sometimes I think back at memories and I think oh I was so pathetic Mm -hmm. or like I was was so shy yeah you know what I mean I like oh why wasn't I like why didn't I like try harder Mm -hmm. or something like that you know but now those two memories they just feel like memories Dang, now. That's so cool. Like just a simple memory. Yeah. You so, kind of like took the charge out of them. Yeah. That's but I, I had no idea that was going to happen. Right. But all that to say, I think inner child work is super important. I yeah, feel like I t- you I t- talk about that my too. first experience mm-hmm. too. Um, I had a similar experience when we read about this. I thought, well, like, I'll give it a try. I guess sounds super weird. It sounds super weird. <laughs> it sounds so weird. Yeah. And I, I think what I did was I. Same as you, probably the same night, which just closed my eyes, took some deep breaths, got into kind of like a meditative space, and then imagined myself walking into a, a meadow, and I just saw myself sitting there on the ground, like playing with some rocks and sticks. Why did we both imagine a meadow? I think that did it the tell us book too? tells you too. Okay. Yeah, right. now, that, now that I'm saying <laughs> it, I was like, wait, do we have the same visualization? <laughs> but yeah, I went up and sat down and just like held myself in my lap. And hugged myself oh, and you're playing kissed with my and own sticks. head and was like, <laughs> I love you so much. Aww. I like, I care about you so much because I, and it was so powerful. It made me cry. It's making me tear up now thinking about it because I think a lot of my like anger and resentment about the past is less about how it's affecting me now and more about how I feel so bad for the younger version of myself mm-hmm. that he had to like wrestle with that stuff Mm -hmm. wrestle with hell and eternity and sin and and judgment and shame 
as a kid. And I just like the act of going in my mind and hugging and just loving that young version of myself was so powerful. And mm-hmm. like, it felt so good. It's the first time I'd ever done that. First time I'd ever really thought about my younger self, at least in that way. And it was, it was amazing. It made me feel like my adult self is now a little bit more whole mm-hmm. because I did that. And the second, the like, another way I've done it since then and this isn't actually a practice we've done regularly and I feel like it would be really really good to do this like every day for a Mm -hmm. month or something um but another way I did it which was equally powerful was I got in the same state with kind of calm music and meditative uh posture and closed my eyes and stuff and went back in my memory through different points in my life like different potent memories in my life kind of like what you were saying Mm -hmm. But I like started from when I was really little and I imagined myself at a snowmobile race Mm -hmm. in this. It was in the summer, a grass drag snowmobile race. And I remember that something happened and I like couldn't race. And I was so sad and like so mad. And I felt like my dad wasn't helping me. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I went back to that memory and I like knelt down in front of my little self and grabbed myself in the face and said like, Hey, listen, like, I know you're frustrated right now. I know it feels like dad's not helping you, but like, it's okay. You're going to have a lot of wonderful experiences in your life. And like, this doesn't say anything about you. It's just something that happened. And like, no matter what you feel, I have you and I trust you. I mean, and you can trust me mm-hmm. and I love you. And no matter what, I'm going to take care of you. That's the and same. I, that's like the same. It thing is. As, yeah. So I did so that. Powerful. I gave him a squeeze. And then I went on to the next memory when I was a little bit older. And mm. then the next memory when I was a little older. And then up until when I was 17 and I was in my room and praying and like fasted and crying because I was praying to God and I felt like God wasn't doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, in this visualization, I went into my bedroom to my 17 year old self and sat down next to me and put my arm around me. And I said, I am so proud of how devoted you are and how, how much you care about this and how you're giving yourself wholeheartedly to this thing. I just want you to know that even though God isn't answering you, I love you so much. And that in a few years, you're going to have a totally different understanding of this and everything's going to be amazing. Dang. I know. We're crying so much right now. <laughs> I know. It's really, it's really powerful because it's almost like you can go back into the trauma of your past and you can give yourself in those times exactly what you needed, but you didn't receive. Yeah. The interesting thing is, is that, you know, those, we, like physically went through those past experiences, the memories that I'm talking about. I like at one point in my life, I actually lived through that. Mm -hmm. But like now sitting here right now, recording this podcast, the past is it's only a memory, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's there's nothing more to it. It's only a memory. And Mm -hmm. so me making a conscious effort to go back into my memories and kind of remedy the situation Mm -hmm. is almost like I'm physically going into my past and changing something Mm -hmm. about my past, Mm -hmm. which is affecting my life now. Because doing that inner child work and going and kind of like giving myself what myself needed in the past, physically, like, emotionally changed me now in the present. Mm -hmm. I feel more at ease with myself. I feel like I was able to let those bad memories go. I'm able to see them now in a way where they don't permanently affect the way I view the world or view myself, I can just think of them as like, Oh, it was a memory. It's, or, Oh, it was just something that happened. And I thought it meant one thing, but now I know it's just something that happened. It doesn't have to be so significant. Mm -hmm. I think Uh, that's, that is something that's helped us so much is realizing that our past memories are, are just, you know, memories and we maybe don't even remember them accurately and we're using them to inform who we are right now. Mm -hmm. And we kind of use them and say like, because of this moment, that makes me this person. And one of the biggest things that we've like become aware of is that memory, like your memory should not be that significant. You should not hold that so high in just in like determining your life. Right. You know what I mean? Memories are important. I mean, I don't want to like your life is important, but like, you don't have to define yourself in, the, in these negative ways by these events that happened in your mm-hmm. past. Like you can move forward. And I mean, and a real tangible way that you can do this is going back to these memories, like we've said and, and work on your inner child. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us as, you know, uh, religious, uh, trauma, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, uh, whatever, whatever we're, the path we're on now, like coming out of religion, we've learned that it's okay to trust yourself. And that is so true. It rings so true. When we talk about this stuff because 
you know, you are able to self-soothe so well and you can help yourself better than anyone else can yeah i think about this sometimes like last night we talked about it we're married and we know each other so well but the person who knows me best is me and i and if joey can't give me something that i need that's not his fault it's down to me Mm -hmm. i can i know what i need and i am in charge of giving that self giving that to myself Mm -hmm. and that just goes along with you know what you need as a child it wasn't your parents fault they didn't know what you needed so now if you've had like really traumatic like experiences from your past or bad memories that are informing what you feel now try going back and giving yourself some love you know yeah you're you have the capability to soothe yourself right and that's That's something that like a lot of the books we've been reading about, you know, recovering from religious trauma talk about. And it's just something that we've been reading about just like in things like breaking the habit of being yourself or. Yeah, it's like the most powerful life skill, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think we mentioned it before, but all of those years you spent praying. If you believe like we believe that there is no God that's listening to your prayers like that, then all those years you were self-soothing. You know, Mm -hmm. you're praying to God, but really you're praying to yourself and just the act of you expressing how you're feeling and comforting yourself and all that. That's it's it's you, you know. And so when I first heard that concept, it really encouraged me and it gave me a lot of motivation to do stuff like this inner child work because it's really, really powerful. Um, yeah, Mm -hmm. if you haven't tried it already, I'd recommend just do it one time, you know, commit to trying it one time, set a timer for 10 minutes and put on some headphones and close your eyes and just go back to a memory that you felt like you were neglected or you were wronged or that left a lasting impression and be that person to your younger self that wasn't there at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and see what you think. It's powerful. Yeah. I think bottom line is that. It's like if you grew up in a religious home, it's very likely that you were indoctrinated. If you grew up with any kind of parents, it's very likely that you were indoctrinated yeah. with any kind with some kind of belief that's not serving you now. Mm-hmm. And you can that can happen to you if you didn't grow up in religion. So like now like examining maybe some parts of your life that you feel like aren't working working or serving you, you can see like maybe where that happened and what stage in your life you learned yeah. that and and just knowing that and being aware of it is like freedom. Right. It's total freedom. Mm-hmm. It's it's what we said before, claiming responsibility for your own life, for your own recovery. That's freedom. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to wrap things up for this mm-hmm. episode then. If you guys uh, are doing inner child work or if you're interested in it, let us know. Write a comment on our Facebook page or shoot us a message on Instagram or whatever. We love this stuff and we love talking about it and would be super interested to hear how it's helped you in your recovery. 